0: Wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men, with
1: the tools and courage to fight for what matters most, and tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls.
0: Hey guys welcome back or to the wild courage podcast today i have my brother Britton column back on the show if you guys aren't familiar with him you could go back it's been about a year actually um yes. when britain first came on and shared his story and um i highly suggest that you go back and listen to that one um because today we're going to jump into a different topic than Britton's just his story Um, so thanks for jumping on here this morning with me, buddy. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. We're, we're gearing up for our fourth retreat, wild courage retreat, and it's going to be in Idaho, um, up in the mountains, um, about an hour and a half North of Boise and Britain's been at every one of our retreats. Um, and he's going to be joining us again this year. And that is taking place the first weekend of, um, November, the third through the fifth. And if, if this is something you guys that you're interested in or on the fence, um, it's, I, we understand how scary it can be to, to sign up for something, especially for guys that in the, the past have heard about the retreat from, one way or another, and flown in by themselves, and I I can't imagine the the risk that that feels like to do something like that. But anyway, um, if this is something you might be interested in, want some more info on, you can send an email to info at the wild dot life, and we'll send you the information and and get that ball rolling. If that's something that you're interested in or been thinking about, um. We have about, I think, 10 spots left, eight or 10, something like that. Um, so it'd be great to have you. And we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, and I pose this as a question, Britton, mm-hmm. why is it important to tell your story? What happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's, there's so many different components to even that question. Um but I think, even to piggyback off the invitation to a retreat, you and I are sitting here because we both chose to go to a retreat and in in twenty nineteen that was the first interaction that you and I uh began right because otherwise, though we probably had some distant pathways that were overlapping relationally or or industry-wise, through the horse environment, um, we, we didn't have a convergence. And so part of our story, and, and I believe that, that sharing our story opens up doorways to not just um, hope, but and, and I, I wouldn't even just say hope for ourselves, uh, because when we engage vulnerability from our story, I believe that there is a measure of freedom that we begin to experience in a lot of different ways. I believe we we get to experience that emotionally for sure. But I even think physically we get to experience some freedom in opportunities, doorways, pathways, whatever that looks like, that maybe we wouldn't have found outside of really just kind of opening up and saying, here I am. Well, the 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 fear is,
0: and, and we've said this a lot on here, but <clears throat> I think what holds us back is fundamentally is if I risk vulnerability and telling somebody something that I've locked away, the real risk is I won't be accepted or liked partly. But if you go a layer deeper than that, I think it's, I'm probably unlovable in this space. Yeah, it's easier for me to keep up the facade that I'm okay and everything's fine, um, because it's the the risk is too high to share in that vulnerability. And I've just found in my own life so many times that that's where the freedom is, is on the other side of taking that big swing with trusting. And I think it also depends, and I like you to speak to this: who we choose to be vulnerable with. When you are, hundred
1: percent, yeah, and 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 I think so. So to kind of segue between those two questions, um, when we begin to choose vulnerability, um, one of the things that I really value about what Wild Courage has created is a space for people to just show up and begin to to even attempt to try to talk. And and so even as men, it's super easy for us to get into a conversation and immediately we're talking about what we do. Right. So you and I can immediately jump on and and I can say, oh Jeremy hats a nice cap you got on. You've been to the Pro Am? Right. And because I know what that is and and all of a sudden here's a roping conversation that I feel like I can connect to. You and I can have a lot of conversation, but it really doesn't go into depth because that's just something that is done. It's not what was done to us, right? And so when we start talking about what's done to us, so much of that that uh, rejection or violation of our person creates shame, creates guilt, creates all of these mindsets uh, and emotional pain that causes us to wonder if we're going to be good enough for the next person that may wind up doing the same thing to us that we just experienced, right? And so that's, that's where choosing where you want to begin to communicate those things. And, and certainly in spaces like this, like the intentionality is your story matters, right? And there's going to be honor. That's one of the core values. So when a person starts communicating their story, there is an inherent understanding or a commitment that says, "I don't get to do anything with this story other than listen." And that's that's the part of safety that you're talking about. Like, who do you share this with? Um, Because we all have an inherent desire to want to communicate what's going on inside of us, but we don't trust that that's necessarily going to be safe because here's all of our history and experience that says this is what happened when that occurred. Yeah, that's good. I want to jump back to something
0: you said. So men, especially when we get together and if you're at a party or at a neighbor's or the first question out of everyone, every dude's mouth is, so what do you do for a living? And, it immediately creates this hierarchy right because it it's so driven by our identity of what we do and not who we're becoming mm-hmm. that the emphasis is on that's why we 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 at the retreats do this thing right off the bat where you're not allowed to talk about what you do so we came up with um we're all troubadours. We're all storytellers. We're all poets. Um, and so immediately that creates a level playing field. Because if you got a guy that's, a, let's say, that um, is a landscaper laborer and a guy who's a CEO of a multi million dollar company are connecting, immediately somebody's going to feel less than. Right. Right. And that's partly why I loved being a Cowboys because that question's just fun to answer. You know what I mean? Because it's so steeped in my, in our identities. Yeah. So it's really creates a cool atmosphere when everybody's level and the same. Because in telling your story, everybody has to say in my troubadour ship, which I don't even know if it's a word, but <laughs> it works <laughs> though. You are. We're all, we're all level. We're all the same because the real question is, who are we becoming? That's what I'm interested in. And that's what wild courage is interested in is not what you do or what you can do for me. Even that goes out the window, right? Because there's some level of that too. I would even say subconsciously sometimes is like, Oh, this guy does this. I wonder if he can give me a break on my, um, He's a mechanic, and I need something done. I wonder if this friendship will create X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important that we do that. It's important that we, it, it, because there's no posing. It's just you. Right. And what's What's hard for guys, I think, is outside of what I do for a living. I don't. I don't know who I am. That was me
1: majority of my life till I went on this journey, right? Well and and even so many of us as men were not modeled how to interact with emotions. Uh, you know, I mean we talked about this. I I I had the honor of being with you up there at the Pro Am and we sit there and watch the youth come in. And um you know, we got to see a generation Listen to adults and leaders talk about the value and the necessity for mental health and healing, you know, emotional health. And and I was I was awestruck at a generation in that culture that got subjected to a conversation that I don't believe ever existed. Like, I don't know anywhere in any round pen, any arena of Western culture that you would have heard somebody grab the mic and say, we're adamant that mental health matters. We're adamant that we have these conversations, even as men. We're going to talk about stuff. And and I was I I was I was so I was so taken aback to all of my childhood memories with my dad going and roping or you know doing whatever with horses. And you 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 cannot fabricate this, Jeremy. Like there was no permission to consider what emotions look like because that wasn't part of the inclusion to the costume. Right. And, and and even to your point today, like I'll uh, I'll introduce myself to somebody, you know, usually looking just like this. Right. And they're like, what do you do? And and I say, well, I'm a life coach. And you can see them having to process this judgment in 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 themselves because they're expecting me to say I'm a cowboy. I ranch. I do, you know, and all those are great things. But but it's like. No, I mean, the the atomacy that we as men set a precedent to communicate what's going on inside us, because humanity didn't regulate whether or not we were good or bad at emotions, right? So if we go back and we pick up the book, women are from Mars, men are from Venus, or however that saying goes, right? Like, we've so qualify the disassociation to emotions that it pisses me off that we somehow as men grab that that ideology as an excuse to not explore what's going on inside of us and then wonder why all of our families look like shit that's right right and so i i I said this before man as as a daddy of girls i refuse to allow myself to stay in this lane of of Fear or cowardness, I would be as bold to say being a coward to not explore emotions within myself because of what's at stake. And so back to your original question, what's the value of telling our story? I think in so many ways, we don't even know how well received we can be until we go off on this journey of beginning to explore what's going on inside of us. That's where it has to
0: start. We got to want to make a change. Mm -hmm. We got to want something different for our lives. And the analogy of you got to put your mask on first before you can save others, I think rings true in a, a, a man going on this journey of figuring out who am I? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I show up in my marriage this way? Why do I show up? as a father this way, as a a leader, a businessman, an employee, whatever it may be, and ask yourself that hard question. Because until you do that, you can't give away what you don't have, right? Right. So that's what's at stake. That's, That's what's at stake. We either leave our kids and that next generation the same way we got left off or, our ceiling is their floor, and if that, and if that's enough to motivate you to go on your own journey, I would use that if you don't feel like you have it in you or worth it, I would use the next generation as the springboard to dive into your own story and go after some healing and find hope in mm-hmm. man, I don't got it figured out. But I know how living like this isn't worth it anymore. And I've got to make some changes. And I think historically, to your point about what we saw at the pro-am, it's like being in the ocean in a little rowboat. Mm -hmm. You don't know where to go. You can't see land from where you're at, which is hopeless. And And I love where this whole conversation is heading. And that people like Buck Branneman are interested in using platforms to not just raise awareness, but what's the solution? Right. Here's, here's a sail for that little boat and a compass. Head that way.
1: That's a right. start. Yeah, because this whole thing is multidimensional, right? Beginning to exercise the courage to tell your story is step one but to your point of if you're in that rowboat and it's just all the ocean and you're like, where do I even go? That's the reason, you know, you, I, I love your heart around this and, 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 and my like-mindedness with you in that sharing our story is very much the start, but we can't just get accustomed to sharing our story and not do anything with it. Right. No, because that creates victimhood. Exactly. Yeah. And and so you know we we referenced this right before we jumped on, but but a great example for me, kind of out of the blue this week, um, I, I I had two scenarios that kind of evolved, um, you know split household, we're a blended family, right? So my daughters went to their mom this week. It's a normal schedule, and on Sunday evening when they got to their moms, they learned that one of their friends, and so they show cattle, and one of their friends, he was 15 years old, got killed in a farm accident. Hmm. And so when when your kids call and they're hurting, and my youngest literally says, she's, she's going to be 16 in February. She says, Dad, did you ever lose a friend? And I said, yes, yes, I did. You know, when we were freshmen in high school, uh, we had a classmate that got killed in a car wreck. Same thing, right? 16 years old. So I know it from a peer standpoint, but I also know it personally from my dad passing. You know that as well, right? So we have this this tangible understanding of grief. And when we begin to have to find ourselves processing grief in that way, it's easy for us to get so tied down in those emotions that – um we am i'm I'm gonna say it this way, Jeremy, we get selfish because we get so focused on why the loss of that relationship right versus if I trust that I know the journey that that person was on they're they're good, like there's no more sadness left right not not to take it off in that direction, but that's definitely my stance in that, even with people who are battling sickness, you know, they're like, there's, my dad died from a kidney disease. There's, there's no more pain. There's no more turmoil. There's no more. Can I get a kidney? Like he's, he's healed. Right. But, but to be able to be in a space to know the emotion that my girls are feeling as they're traveling to the funeral today, literally, and then Monday or tomorrow, they'll be at a cattle show at Tulsa State Fair with a lot of this community to be in that culture where there's loss, right? So, so what do we do with that? Do we go lose ourselves in in the process, or do we honor the fact that man, we celebrate the time that we got to have with that person? They they were a huge impact, a real value, and at 15, man, that's too soon but, but we celebrate it right to the other side of that is, uh, I'll be traveling out tomorrow to Sacramento to go help Todd Pierce with, uh, his, his ministry. He's got a couple of presentations out there. And one of the contacts for trying to find some horses out there, uh, is a girl that interned for me in 2011. In 2011, I was three years past my dad dying. And was probably at the the biggest amount of depression that I had experienced in my life. Because I, I didn't deal with it. And so this week I learned that I get to re-interact with a person that experienced Britain at a really, really bad time in his life. <clears throat> right? So if we pick up that scripture of Romans 8.28 where he says he wants to work all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I get to revisit a relationship that I know I didn't give my best in because, and no justifications, but but I was just hurting. Fast forward two years, my marriage falls apart like it was just a mess. And so the Briton in 2011 was a Briton that hadn't figured out how to share his story, hadn't figured out how to find help, hadn't figured out how to actually process his pain and his grief. And 12 years later, 12 years later, Jeremy, I get the opportunity to re-engage a circumstance and know that I didn't give my best version of myself. But God's going to say, hey, do you want to show back up? So uh, there's so many different ways that we get to see redemption, I think, is really the the highlight to me and me sharing both of those moments. The redemption in, I know that both of my daughters understand the journey that I went through because of the loss of my dad and experiencing death. And so I'm super grateful that they feel safe to want to really process with me. You know, immediately they get to their moms and within an hour they'd called and, and, and each of them individually was like, hey, I wanted to tell you about this. Right. And so it's, it's as a daddy. I don't think that there's anything greater than to be able to be a safe space for our kids. Right. But you, you can't be that guy without going on the journey. Right. And, and And if I haven't communicated with them and been proactive with them on saying, man, it's really important that we process our emotions. It's really important that we talk about what's going on inside of us. And, and literally before they had left that afternoon, we were having those conversations. Hey, what do you need? It's been a hard week. You know, it looks like you're kind of backed up. That's the intentionality that we try to have in our household. And, and (laughs) when, when your, your parents, you know, my wife and I are both life coaches, so it's, it's sort of one of those, um, there's not very many options not to talk about or process things. Um, but, but more than that, even if we weren't, it's just a core value, right? It's like, how do you do life when it's hard? Because it's going to be hard. And create space to talk about things. I love this statement that says, healthy relationships are not fragile.
0: That's really good.
1: Yeah. Healthy relationships are not fragile. So, when we're in disconnect, what do we do to go after what's getting in the way of that connection? And most of the time, it involves us communicating something within us to the person that we want to connect with that we fear may not be heard or it may not be understood or it may not be received. And so the more that we choose to exercise vulnerability and say, you know what, here's really what's happening within me. And this isn't conditional upon you, although there may be things that affected me. I just want to share with you what's going on in me because I don't, I don't want this to be the place that I stay. This is, this is not who I'm meant to be in the midst of this, chaos, pain, hurt, sadness, you know, whatever those things are, we're, we're not meant to reside in that. We're meant to process that.
0: Yeah. And if we don't have the tools to do that, our pride so gets in the way with our kids, right? Because anytime we don't understand something or know how to do it, we get defensive, and we just want it to go away. Essentially, running from the hard things that this life creates, and what that's telling our kids or our spouse or our friends, loved ones, is what you're going through doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. because we don't know what to do with it, right? How, and then, and then we go into these shame cycles because we beat ourselves up because internally we're like, I know I'm not showing up for whoever in this instance, but I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do nothing. And then the flip side of that is, is we just feel horrible about it. And then enter mechanisms to anesthetize our own pain. And we're creating pain cycles in the people around us because then they're not going to come to us anymore because they tried four times, whether it be, again, our spouses or our kiddos. Mm -hmm. They're like, that's a dead end road. I'm not going to get what I need in this moment. And I'll tell you that realistically, most of this is probably subconscious, right? For sure. But the shame we feel in not showing up for the people that we do lo- that. I think that's where it gets tricky too, is because then we create a narrative where we tell ourselves, if I love them, I would show up different. And where I say, what I would tell someone is to have grace for themselves is you don't know what you don't know. Brad. If you don't know how to show up for them, it does not mean that you don't want to Brad. right? You just don't know how, And again, even why back to to that, your own mask on first, right? You got to, you got to do the work and look inside first and get some tools and get some help in these areas to be able
1: to process before you can help anyone else out. Right. To, to, to that point, our family of origin, if our parents didn't take off on this journey, we were never modeled a way to do this different. So if we experienced a person that was whatever the story is, but we know that that's not what we want as a child. We see a parent that has created enough hurt within us and enough rejection of needs within us that we go polar opposite and we say, okay, I'm not going to be that. Well, the polar opposite of that won't be healthy either. Right? So we get what, what we get is, is called this, this pendulum paradigm, where we fixate on what we don't want. And so here's, let's say this is a super aggressive, really uh, verbally or physically abusive person. The pendulum swing is to get extremely passive, non-confrontational, never address anything with conflict. And then all of a sudden you become this doormat and everybody takes advantage of you, right? So learning how to get in in that that middle ground, of the process of we're not trying to figure out what we don't want. We're trying to figure out what we do want. And the opposite of what we didn't know worked. Let me say that a different way. The opposite of what we experienced that hurt us isn't necessarily going to be the best way to try to get results. Yeah. I, I would. This,
0: this might be helpful to someone who, is experiencing that like I don't know what to do my wife child's coming to me with this stuff and instead of not doing anything what where you could a good place to start would be just to sit and listen and practice validating their pain I'm so sorry you're going through this That that's not so many times that's just what they need is hmm know that you're listening to their experience and their condition and where they're, what they're going through. Everybody's capable of doing this. You don't, you don't have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have all the tools and have a psychology degree to sit with someone who's going through something hard and listen, right? And just validate their pain by saying, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I wish there was more I could do. Don't try yeah. to fix don't try to come over the top with, well, you need to exercise more or, you know what I mean, have some answer. But anyone listening to this can do this. I promise. Try it with your spouse who's had a rough day and the last thing in the world yeah. you want to do is sit and listen, but because you don't know what to do about it. There's nothing, oftentimes there's nothing we can do.
1: Yeah. And I, and I just want to reiterate your point around that the reality is we have nobody's answer. Like I don't care if, if I've got all the credentials in the world, doctorates experience, whatever I could, I could be Dr. Phil and I still don't have your answer because I'm not living your life. And I do not have to go to bed with that conscience of the decisions that were made to navigate that journey. You're the only one that has to do that. And so all I can do is create a safe place for you to communicate what you need. And then I get to decide whether or not I can partner with you in that need or not. But if I can't partner with you, this is where we get off into a progression of this whole process, right? Like we're, we're kind of moving down the road in some of these ABCDs of the whole journey of starting to tell your story. Because now we're in boundaries. If if you show up, Jeremy, and you say, Hey, bud, Britton, I really need this from you today, and I'm out of space, I'm out of margin, it's my job to tell you, I don't want to screw you over, Jeremy, because I value you as a person, but I can't do that today. I may be able to circle back to you, but if you're in need of that right at that moment and I don't have the courage to tell you that I can't, I actually set you up for more rejection, more disappointment, more validation of that narrative because I don't have the courage to say, I don't have the margin. Right. And so much of our self-worth gets attached to whether or not a person wants to come into this journey with us, rather than simply being a safe place to listen to what's going on in us.
0: That's so good. I I think also Britain, oftentimes we want to have the answer, especially as men and husbands and fathers, that we fabricate answers and the person sharing with us if it's our wife that's unvalidating sometimes Mm. to be like oh this happened you should go do this this is what you should do right and we get in fix it mode and again i think it's the value is 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 listening and validating repeating back to them whatever they said, this is what I hear you're saying. And I'm, I'm really sorry that that's how, what you're experiencing right now. And then the, and then the question that you always do, which is so good. Every time I talk to you, you say to me, what can I do for you? That's different than telling somebody what to do. That's yeah. I actually I say, what do you need? Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. Right. That, that creates such a different environment then, well, you should go for a jog. You should go exercise. You should go ride your horse. You should go. It's like, but that's where, that's really where someone feels seen and heard in that space, which is very comforting and healing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. and, And I find it extremely interesting that when you ask that question, what do you need? Very, very frequently, when I ask that to a man, they freeze. Right, we get the we get the traditional fight, flight, freeze, fawn paradigms of responses. And I, I don't have a percentage, but I would say probably ninety nine percent of the time when I ask that to a guy, and they they they're not really familiar with emotional maturity and in, in in this journey, like they don't have a clue what I'm asking. And it and it, it's really interesting to me that there's such a disconnect to the responsibility that we have as individuals for identifying what we need and communicating what we need. I mean, it's like as men, oh. well, yeah, we've never been taught back to our family of origin. It wasn't modeled to us. But again, we even also sort of stereotypically justify that it isn't the responsibility for a man to have to get in touch with their emotions because they're men that's what women do, and that's such a bullshit paradigm like it's it's it it is such an offense to creating healthy families when when a man in a home chooses not to to acknowledge what's going on within his humanity because humanity is universally the same. Like we were all created with the same set of emotions, male or female. It doesn't matter. So we don't get permission to justify that because we're men, that we somehow don't need to invest in, the emotional aspect of what is happening within us. It doesn't mean that we have to do it like women. It doesn't mean that we will be maybe as sensitive. But then again, I, I, I don't put any context on that personally because I know I know some some men who have said yes to a healthy, emotionally mature journey that are pretty self aware. Yeah, right. And one of the things that I know is that when you're very self-aware, you create safety. It doesn't matter who's in it, male or female. They're going to feel a measure of safety because you're doing your job to manage yourself. Right. So all of a sudden, if we're doing that, which starts back here by choosing to begin to tell our story and going over there to that closet, we don't have any idea how connected we may be because other people have likely experienced similar things that we have. Maybe the details of it, the specificity of it is not exact, but a hundred percent of the time, the emotions of it are universally exactly the same. And and that's what we
0: see in experience at our fires. Right. Right. It's because we've created an environment for it. And I would say the number one theme that we hear at retreats and at the fire, more at the retreats because it's a longer version of the fire, is I thought I was going to take that to my grave. Mm -hmm. And the relief of holding on to something that you release into a safe place atmosphere and not carrying that anymore, that's a big part of why it's so important to tell your story, and it matters, and you matter, and what you've been through matters.
1: Because it dictates how you're showing up in every area of your life. Yeah. I would even say it this way too, Jeremy. Uh, A concealment of your story is a form of bondage. It is. A million percent there there
0: that's why i was drinking myself almost to death is because uh, it's not you're not supposed to carry those things around we're not created we're not built our our body does keep the score our mm-hmm. soul keeps the score and to release that in a safe place i and and i think we almost need to clarify like, It's very important who you trust in the early stages of sharing your story because there are people out there that and this is why people don't tell their stories because they've taken an attempt at it before. And because the person that they shared it with was very unhealthy in their own journey, they use it as leverage and manipulation in the future. Mm -hmm. That's why so many men are shut down in their marriages, right? Because you do take a risk which is all relative because I can share my story now from a place of freedom. Whereas before, when I first started going on this journey, it felt like I was on the verge of death to be vulnerable. So I think what happens in marriages a lot is men will take a little tiny risk and vulnerability of sharing something. And then two weeks later, there's a big fight. And that gets used and vice versa. It goes both ways. And in the heat of the battle, that vulnerability gets used against them. And then it's shut down city. Why in the world would I be vulnerable and take that risk with the person that I should be able to? And then it gets used against me two weeks from now when we have a blow up. Why would I ever do that again? Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's important Early on in the stages of being vulnerable and sharing your story is maybe being a little bit cautious with who you're sharing that with, for sure. And that's why I think again the fires and the and the stakes are lower for you to tell your story in in like at our one of a uh, retreat, one of our retreats. It's mostly with people you don't know, mm-hmm. so that removes the stakes immediately. And then we've set up parameters of, of sanctuary Mm -hmm. and like, this is holy ground. And I say it all the time at our fires, we've had 150 of them in the last three and a half years or whatever. And one of the things I'm proudest of is a lot of the men that come, our wives are attached in different groups, school or church or, or socially or sports. Not one time has a wife ever told my wife or any of our spouses, something that happened at the fire Mm -hmm. with somebody's story. Right. So that creates the safety and, and lowers the, the guard down, I think in trusting to be vulnerable. Right. Because again, so many times I think men have tried it and it blew
1: up in their face and backfired. Yeah, and I mean, this is, you you know, this particular topic that you just mentioned takes us into a number of directions, one of which I have so much disdain for. And so I'm going to digress one second in this. Those who are, are a part of a church body, you can go in confidence and you can share something. And all of a sudden, when that church body isn't healthy in the name of we need to be praying for this person, they have shared your story. And it gets around a church and all of a sudden now you feel that shame. You feel that judgment. You feel all the things because there wasn't healthy boundaries in what you communicated. And then they take the name of religion and qualify and justify the way that they go and gossip about you. Because we got to grab everybody in here and pray about it in Jesus name. And it's so perverted what we've done to actually create safety. In a church context, yep, we have absolutely perverted and violated, absolutely violated people's boundaries and, and the sanctity of vulnerability. Right. So good and true. That That's why
0: I think one of the themes and we speak in generalities about the fire because it is a safe space though, is church hurt. And it's yeah. to your point. It's such bullshit that that's the one place that you're supposed to, you know, feel like you can be vulnerable and it'll be protected. And that's where the manipulation and I've experienced it myself. And you walk in and you're like, people are looking at me different. Wait, what? How I thought. So, yes, that's a very good point. And then you got a bunch of shut down men walking around going, I ain't saying shit to anybody about anything. Right, and then we internalize it, and then the antidote to internalizing it is is we've got to anesthetize this pain somehow. Mm-hmm. Enter working harder, golfing on Saturdays, and I'm not putting shame on anyone for for, for sure. enjoying your life, but when you're saying no to your family because you're saying yes to this pain that you can't deal with because you've been your trust has been violated so many times that turns into porn and drinking and and all the things we do as men to anesthetize the pain that we're feeling because we're not supposed to have emotions and then we do
1: try it and it blows up and we just shut down more yeah yeah and i and i personally just want to want to qualify that statement too in that i am very much Pro church pro community, right but what I what I despise is where religion justifies dysfunction I, I I don't care there is no there's no category with which we should tolerate emotional immaturity. I know people are going to be immature, but when you get into the constructs of organized religion, then, it doesn't give people permission to play power and control games on account of trying to manage the body. Right? It, it, it just, it, it, there's so many ways that we get screwed over. And if we, if, if we're trying to find the one thing that we, we seem to want to, to, to create hope in, which, which is God or vertically, right? Like whatever that looks like for somebody, they're trying to, to put their hope in something bigger than themselves. And a, a group of people that say that they have this like-mindedness don't do anything to honor where you're trying to find hope because they're being boundaryless in what you're sharing. Then there's a, there's a greater measure of perversion in, in the trust of relationship. So All of a sudden, it's not just that body of people; it's anybody affiliated to religion and that mindset. Everybody gets grouped into "you're not safe." People and the church, by and large, has done a really shitty job of being safe.
0: Yeah, that's why. That's why I think men, when they do take a stab at it, this is something I've never shared before. The first time I talked to anyone about my sexual abuse was a good friend that i trusted and we were hammered at the bar shout out to brian runyon i was in the early stage of my marriage falling apart and we were at at the bar in Teton,ia idaho and it just i couldn't i couldn't take it anymore i mm-hmm. couldn't and i and i trusted this man and. I lost it. We're sitting at the crowded bar and I'm bawling. And he didn't say anything. He didn't have to. He could tell that this was going downhill so he gathered me up and we went and drove around for two more hours. And I and because of all the things you just said and to our point, I feel like that's probably the only place often that this is happening is when men can't take it anymore and they're with A buddy. And again, the stakes are removed because it's not somebody that's going to use it against you later. And he never has brought it up again. Hmm. He never looked at me differently. And I never brought it up again because I was like, woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know? Yeah. Vulnerability, regret. What's that? Vulnerability, regret. Yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. And just the shame of, you know, lying to my wife and being out all night drinking and sleeping on the couch again. (laughs) But yeah, I, I think that that's where as I walk with guys in their sobriety journey, that's one of the things that's a theme of, man, the only the only time I ever took a swing at vulnerability was drinking with the boys or with this particular friend And I had the courage to do it, to share with them what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's why also it's important to think about who you tell your story to Mm -hmm. is first off, is it someone that won't use it against me later? Secondly, is this person healthier than me? Who am I turning to for safety? Is it somebody that has some wisdom or has been on this, a journey before a little bit, because it is a a big part of it at the beginning is just listening. Like we've already talked about, but the next step of that is guidance. Because how many times do we have friends that are having marriage trouble and they get horrible advice
1: Mm.
0: from another hurt person,
1: Mm -hmm. Hurt, hurt,
0: hurt people, hurt other people. Mm hmm. So it's like a two-step process. is One, it's just finding someone that's safe and is not going to use it against you. Two, is like, is the person that I'm trusting in this space with me someone that is going to propel me forward or drag me down to where they
1: may be at? Yeah, and it, and it even relates to your, to your statement earlier. The same person. Yeah, your statement earlier was advice from another individual may be well-intended because it worked for them, but it doesn't at all mean it's going to work for you, right? They may not even be unhealthy people, but if they're giving you advice rather than asking you questions, the danger is they're going to project what worked for them onto you as if that should be your solution, and and that's just never a good idea. Right? Because if it doesn't work, then all of a sudden, Jeremy, that advice you gave me, you're also part of the problem now because it didn't work versus you holding space to ask me enough questions that says, Brenton, I believe that at some point you're going to come up with a good solution. So what do you need? How do you want to how do you want to address this? What do you want to do to get out of where you have found yourself?" Right? Yeah, that's good. So yeah, so that's good. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just where uh the importance of of being aware of the types of conversations that we have right like sitting in a conversation and listening to use your words well ago how well do we listen my one of my personal life verses is james 1:19. be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger and and i actually landed on that literally the day that we had my dad's memorial service and we pulled out the family bible and I opened it up, and my mom asked if we wanted to have kind of a scripture um, universally representing my dad. And literally, I just opened the Bible up, and that's exactly where it felt. And as I read that, I'm like, man, that was such my dad, right? So there's there's a part of that that legacy component of how often do we listen? How often are we slow to speak? Because I am nobody's answer. I, I am nobody's answer. God may have brought me, he, he may have brought me in their path to answer them by way of journeying relationally with them, to be a safe place to listen, to help ask really difficult questions, right? Because that's the other thing. A lot of times when people don't do their own work, they won't ask super difficult questions to get in the weeds with you because they don't really want somebody to do the same for them. And that's my adamacy is, I want to continue to stay committed to doing the work on myself so that if somebody is really in need and they show up and they're like, hey, Britton, this just happened. I'm like, all right, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, listening and asking questions, I think, is key to um, showing up for people in a healthy way because you do it to me all the time. I'm thinking one way you ask a question and it just completely discombobulates the, the, the direction I was heading and has question. The right questions are so powerful Hmm. in helping us untracking where we're mentally, emotionally headed Mm -hmm. to shine light on maybe the truth and maybe a different way of thinking about our circumstances because we create these narratives in our heads and we can't find our way out of them and one smart question can dismantle a false narrative that's going on in our own psychological makeup right and turn us a completely different direction that's why i, I love i love that about you and that's something i want to get better at is asking better questions and that also speaks to not being the guy that has to have all the answers because that's really speaking to our own insecurities more than us being
1: wise. Correct. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even to your point right there in that topic of taking these thoughts, you know, we get very ingrained, right? That like there's psychological evidence that there are neural pathways that get rutted in our mindsets that we just go in this direction because that's the way we process things. And and it's no fault of an individual, but if you're not intentional to try to look at it differently or have somebody in your space to ask you to come out of that rut in your thought process, you know, for me, it's that second Corinthians 10, five, take every thought captive, right? Yep. Having community allows us to say, Hey, I see that you're going down a rut that hasn't served you before based on what I've heard you communicate. So what do you need right now to actually change the direction that you're processing this? That's it. And, and, and that's the value of being in community. That's the value of getting to a safe space to share your story. And, and, and likewise, Jeremy, like I, so personally as Britain down the road with Jeremy, however long that's been since you first were at the bar with Brian, like I celebrate him for even just being there because I know what it's unlocked in you as a result of you being able to just pull that back and and begin to work your way out of. And make no mistake, it's work. Like, I'm not going to pretend that taking off on this journey is really easy. But to see you claw out of and rise above what occurred in your life is also the way that you're getting to use your story to help other people find freedom
0: yeah it 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 doesn't happen without humble beginnings and starting somewhere and i i see guys wanting to jump in to this often and be helpful to others. And I'm like, man, you got to get some time behind you. You got to go on the journey for a while. I love the ambition and the heart behind wanting to serve and be part of the solution. But man, you got to get some reps in. You you got to get some healing. And you again, back to the you got to put your mask on first. And for some people that might I mean, I've, I've not that we ever take them off, but. It's a continual thing you never arrive at this thing you you never finish that bridle horse is never finished. I love yeah, he's a finished bridle horse, and you go put your hand down and show one one time mm-hmm. left shoulder and that left big fast circle dives into the middle, or when you turn the corner run down to stop, and they grab the bit and I'm like you're never done, rod or you would or you would, you would only show them ever, you know? Mm. And it's, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but to me, it's just like this, this journey right. of we're never to arrival. You keep going. There's layers and levels that I'm finding all the time, even in this last week. And the beautiful thing is, is when you get healthy enough and know who you can trust and be vulnerable with and created, Um, this brotherhood, like, like we have, and I'm so grateful for you get a continually process and you get to continually invite people into the areas in your life that need light shown on them. And cause we all get stuck. Mm -hmm. My counselor has a counselor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think all the good ones do.
1: Right. Yeah. This, this, um. This conversation even happened. I, I was getting coached last night in a class, and um, the 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 lady that was coaching me, um, she asked for some feedback around what I recognized, um, and not to digress into that, but the short of it was I told her that she actually created a space of hospitality. And this is what I mean by that. If you think about the story of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, sailing all the way around the world to come figure out what she had heard of by way of excellence. I'm not saying that me taking off on this journey of 10 years is because I have created excellence in my life. What I am saying is that I want to steward it in a way that it creates curiosity to other people. Mm, That's good. And I'm able to actually serve others because I've learned how to serve myself. And when I say serve myself, I don't want that to be put in a, a perverted context, but I am 100% responsible for everything that is going on within me. No matter what gets done to me, I am still responsible for myself. Right? And so if I take ownership of being responsible for everything within me and I do the things necessary to make sure that I am in that journey to serve myself, in a healthy way, then my ability to show up for other people means that I can serve them with a measure of excellence that doesn't allow me to get in the way of them. I'm not attaching myself to them. And I really feel like because we, we you know, from the biblical narrative, we know that Solomon carried such a measure of wisdom that that was part of the reason that a woman sells halfway around the world to come figure out what was going on, right?
0: Yeah, check it out
1: because there was something so curious to her about what was being told that it even goes on to say not even what she was told measured up to what she personally witnessed firsthand. Right. That's, so,
0: that, yeah, go ahead.
1: So, so, so it goes back to the power of story creates invitation but nothing in this world is worth anything unless we're in relationship. So it wasn't that she just got to hear a story. It was once she got to have direct interaction with Solomon. All of a sudden now it bared witness to her in a way that even the story didn't. And I say that because I believe that there are more of those nuggets, Jeremy, waiting for us than there are people trying to hurt us. Yeah. Yeah
0: but we've we've become so self-protective because again we've tried it maybe in the wrong with the wrong person and got smoked for it and so we just retreat or even with the right person in the wrong time yeah yeah that's good well to kind of wrap this up i think the whole point of this was just to encourage someone mm-hmm To trust this process, find someone, and maybe it's somebody where the stakes aren't high, where you're not going to feel judged. And maybe it's someone that you know isn't going to use it against you,
1: Hmm.
0: and to risk trying again. Because I cannot, I would not be sitting here. I would not have this marriage. I would not have these relationships. I would not have this life, this brotherhood without it, without the risk. It's, it's no different than the risk and reward of anything else. Mm-hmm. You don't risk it. You can't lose it, but you don't gain anything. Right. And, and I think that's why we've stumbled across what's happening. I, I love talking to people that are a million times smarter than me. In the lane of emotional and mental health, that come to a fire or retreat, they're like, You guys, which one of you went to school here? And we're like, None of us. And they're like, You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea the connectivity and what's happening around these men and vulnerability and what it's doing to them psychologically and emotionally and also spiritually that's unlocking them in ways that this is changing how they process and think. And then the self narratives that they've created that they're living by. Right. And there's a new path and a new direction. And I'm not saying that to pat us on the back. I'm saying that to say it works. Yeah, for sure. A bunch of knuckle draggers from Emma, Idaho can sit around a fire and see nothing but fruit and freedom coming out of men's lives have stayed in this journey. Take a look at it.
1: And we know there's a universal hunger in it too. People are hungry.
0: Oh, I. there's guys that fly. This is what boggles my mind. We do these fires three times a month at my barn. People have found out about it probably through the podcast or whatever. We don't talk about it a ton, but they're like, hey, I want to fly to Boise and get a car and motel rooms and come to your fire. Can I do that? Do I need to sign up? And I'm like trying to talk them out of it. I'm like, maybe save all that to come to a retreat. And they're like, no, I need this so bad in my life. I don't have this.
1: Yeah.
0: And we've had guys fly from all over to come sit in the gravel around a fire because they're longing for us somewhere to be seen and heard. and not judged. Mm -hmm. Nobody's trying to fix anybody because we can't fix anybody, right? But we've just created this and we are good at it. And we do know what we're doing at this point. And we know where to stay out of the way. And we know we're learning how to show up for people in a way of not trying to fix them or 10 steps to freedom or do this or do that. But it's powerful and it's working. And again, we just want to encourage you to jump into this journey mm-hmm. somewhere, somehow, some way, cause it will change your life and in, in inviting God into those broken, scary places, um, is the place from where redemption flows. Yeah. I would even but dare say that those who have God the courage willing to jump in,
1: those who have the courage to show up at at a, at a retreat or, or even at a cur- at a fire for the first time it will be a marked point in your life like that's a fact Pretty sure
0: yep well hopefully this has encouraged someone and give them hope to take a take the risk of being vulnerable and sharing your story because your story does matter. Mm -hmm. You matter what you've been through matters and where you're heading matters for yourself first and for your family and the people that you love. And redemption is possible and available because you got two guys sitting here that know firsthand what can happen and come out of it. So, Again, if, if this is resonating with you and I, I get, again, how scary this endeavor can be, it, it certainly has been for me. But, um, yeah, in a month, we're going to have this retreat and Britain's going to be there and a bunch of other badass dudes that have been on the journey for a long time. And um, we'd would, would love to see some of you guys there. Also, I, um, Wild Courage is going to have a booth at the Buckaroo Traditions Gathering. Um, that Scott and Andrea Van Leeuwen are putting on in no- in November. So go check that out. Um, Buckaroo Traditions Gathering. And it's going to be a super good roping. And Justin and Nicole Reichert, um, the Outside Circle Show is going to be there. And we're gearing up to do something cool with them again at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko this winter. Um, check those guys out. And the cool thing about going on this journey is We get to become someone new in it and we get to change who we are. And through that people view us differently Mm -hmm. and grace is rampant in saying yes to this. So I love that the cowboy community is creating space and opportunities. What Justin and Nicole are doing is taking a big risk mm-hmm. in this community. Yeah. And Scott and Andrea are doing the same. And we're just really excited for the opportunities that are coming for wild courage, um, at large, but specifically a special place, um, community for you and I is the cowboy community, And so, yeah, we're really stoked and looking forward to some of these events coming up where we get to go and listen to people's stories. Mm -hmm. What an honor. So, Britton, how can people get a hold of you? Britton is a consultant, a life consultant, life coach. And at some point, I don't know how, but we need to get some people that we've 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 sent a bunch of people to you and the difference that you've made in their life is astounding and you really have a gift in this space so how can if people are interested in getting some help and going on this journey how can they get a hold of you
1: and what you're up to yeah so they can uh, they can just look me up 40144014 the number consulting at um at @gmail.com is my um uh, email address if you want to Connect with me there, but I have a webpage, 4014consulting.com is the webpage. Um, I'm on social media, though I don't engage a lot of that, uh, but that's my my business page. would love to connect with somebody that's just even too curious.
0: Yeah. Well, go check Britain out. I'm, I'll, I'll also put all this in the show notes. So if you don't have a pen you're driving, you can look at the show notes and I'll put um, the other events we talked about on there also, so you can go check them out. But thank you guys for checking us out. Um, I, I do want to say thank you to everyone who shared this podcast. And I, it's just the most bizarre thing to me when, when, when we started this podcast, I think my wife and three of my buddies listened to it and it's, it's so humbling that this message is resonating with so many people. And I just want to say thank you guys for listening and for spreading the word because I don't know how, but this thing has really um, gotten some traction and and a lot of folks are listening to this podcast and and hopefully finding hope um, through stories of redemption and knowing that you're not alone in this and we're going to keep trucking. I'm really excited for the next uh, six months um, of the podcast and some Mm -hmm. of the things we have coming up are, are, are pretty exciting for me. And, um, and again, very humbled by all you listeners that check it out and message me and, and are responding to this message. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you guys. Thanks, Britton. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. Thanks again. Adios for now.